turn to the book of First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians, uh, chapter five. Uh, hear now the reading of God's very word. Our text today is down in verse fourteen. But to get the context, we'll read this uh, whole portion of scripture again. Hear now God's very word. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. Therefore, encourage one another, and build one another up just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, Help the weak. Be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. We'll stop there with the reading of God's Word. Let's pray. Lord, we beg now that you would come by your blessed Holy Spirit. And you, Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, that you would come and, Lord, you would lead us to the green pastures and beside the still waters and you would feed us with the bread from heaven your very word that you have spoken and kept that we have read even this morning and Lord Jesus that 
we would see you and your glory and you would revive our hearts uh, to be trusting in you, Lord Jesus, as our Redeemer and that you would awaken uh, those that are apart from you and draw them uh, to yourself, that they would repent, turn from living against you and, and embrace you with simple, childlike faith, casting ourselves upon you, Lord Jesus, for mercy, for forgiveness. How we thank you that you will never turn anyone away who runs to you from the heart begging for forgiveness. Oh Lord, bless us now and build us up in you, our glorious Savior. In Jesus we pray, amen. Help the weak. Well, we saw uh, that this term uh, weak is a term that describes those who are uh, in great need. Uh, while we were sinners, Christ died for the helpless. Uh, those who uh, had no way of rescuing uh, ourselves. Uh, that's where we find ourselves. But praise God, even though we read in Ephesians 2 uh, that we were all dead in our trespasses and sins, but God, who's rich in mercy, even because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead, He made us alive together with Christ. Uh, it's by grace that we have been saved. And so we said that that is why we have a heart uh, to help those around us uh, who are weak. And we began to look last Lord's Day at some of the categories of people that Jesus wants us who have tasted of His kindness to help who are in need. And we saw, first of all, that children are in that category. Uh, that God wants us to be uh, showing the mercy and kindness and love of God to children. Uh, you remember the Lord Jesus on one occasion there were uh, uh, mamas uh, who heard that Jesus was going to be uh, in that particular place and they uh, uh, spread the word and there was a whole herd of mamas with their little ones in tow that come now uh, to try to meet Jesus and have Him put His hand upon uh, these little ones and pray for them and bless them. And the disciples saw this uh, cloud of trouble coming. And they headed them off at the pass and, and the disciples said, Now y'all just go on get away from here. Uh, Jesus, he, he doesn't have time for all these little runny-nosed uh, uh, kids and babies. He's got important things to do. And the Lord Jesus rebuked the disciples. 
And he said, Do not hinder these little ones from coming to me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And the Lord Jesus took these little ones and these infants into his arms and he blessed them. He prayed up for them. Um, we have the joy and the privilege of ministering to little ones. And Jesus tells us in the Gospel of 18, uh, Matthew chapter 18, that uh, whoever receives a little child in his name receives Jesus. Uh, that's the place that Jesus places uh, upon little ones. We also saw in Matthew chapter 18 that Jesus says you better be careful to not cause one of these little ones who believe in Jesus to stumble. That it would be better for that person, that man, to have a heavy millstone hung around our neck and cast into the depth of the, of the sea than to have Jesus deal with us uh, if we cause a little one to stumble. And in that context, in verse 10, Jesus said, Truly I say to you that their angels are always beholding the face of my Father. Uh, the angels that Almighty God has assigned for these little ones are up front there in the throne room of heaven. They're not in the back, but they are always beholding the face uh, of the Father. We also looked at widows and orphans and how God says that uh, He has a special love of protection and care uh, for those that uh, 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 our society and other societies think little of. Uh, so that's what we saw uh, last uh, Lord's Day. And uh, we saw how God blessed His people in the early days of the New Testament church uh, when people saw the gospel in action. Uh, many, even of the Levitical priests, were attracted and became followers of Jesus. They were supposed to be doing those mercy ministries, but uh, had refused to do so. And you remember the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, first it was a priest who passed by and then a Levite who passed by and it was a Samaritan who went and cared for this man who had been beaten and, and left for dead. Well, God gives us the joy of in the name of the Lord Jesus ministering to people who are in need. And um, we'll pick it up where we left off last time. Now, not only do we have uh, categories like this that we need to be thinking of in terms of those who are in need, um, not only do we have the joy of ministering to our own children in this congregation, uh, but we also want to see uh, of other children uh, taken care of. And, and this uh, pro-life uh, crisis pregnancy center that 
we're praying God will start. Uh, that's the type of thing uh, that Jesus is calling us to be and do to help the weak. Um, to help parents either give their children uh, uh, themselves a Christian education or to help start Christian day schools. Um, help the weak. Uh, we also um, uh, have uh, the need of, of reaching out to people uh, who are in trouble. Uh, widows and orphans. Strangers. Uh, well, what else? Uh, those who are spiritually weak. Uh, turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. And uh, here we have the record of a man who comes to Jesus for help. In verse 14... And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when the Spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, I want you to notice, if you can do anything, help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And so here's a man who, he says, I, I do believe Jesus, but... You've got to help my unbelief. And so that's another category of people that Jesus calls upon us to uh, come alongside people who are spiritually struggling, who are spiritually weak, and, and to help those uh, who maybe uh, don't have the understanding of the truth that God has, has been so kind to help us grow to understand. Uh, turn with me over in the book of Acts, chapter 18. Acts, chapter 18. And here we have uh, the record of a man by the name of Apollos. And Apollos is a, a, a powerful preacher 
but he doesn't have everything quite figured out. There are some things that he is, is really mixed up about. And so I want you to notice what happens to this man. When Aquila and Priscilla hear this man preach, I want you to notice what they did. They didn't immediately get on Facebook and start talking about what a dummy he was. They didn't immediately get on Instagram and take a picture of him and say, this guy is really foolish. Nobody ought to ever listen to him. I want you to notice. Look in verse 24. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he only knew the baptism of John. And so here's a man, he's got a lot of things figured out, but he doesn't have everything figured out. And what do Aquila and Priscilla do? They don't publicly castigate this man, but what did they do? They helped the weak. Look, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. They said, Apollos, we, we, we've got some things we want to share with you. Come on, come to our home, and we're going to sit down and over supper together, we, we've got some things we, we've got to look at together. And they opened the truth and the Scriptures. And they explained Him the way of God more accurately. And when He wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged Him and wrote to the disciples to welcome Him. And when He arrived, He greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the Scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Help the weak. Those that are spiritually struggling. I believe, but help my unbelief. There are Apollos, uh, Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, they gently take this eloquent, preacher who didn't quite have everything put together and they help him. Um, how could we do that? Well, uh, you could invite uh, somebody to your home uh, or you could invite them to come with you uh, to uh, worship. Um, you know, this morning as I was thinking about uh, God's people gathering together. Um, I, I just got real excited because I knew that if a particular person came to meet with us today, amazing things was going to happen. Turn with me to Psalm 22. Psalm 22. The beginning of this psalm we're very familiar with. The Lord Jesus quoted it when He was dying on the cross. My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? 
But Jesus did not die in despair. He, as the book of Hebrews chapter 12 tells us, for the joy that was set before Him, He despised the cross. And He died in confidence and hope. He knew that the Father was going to accept His sacrifice and bless Him and that death would not have the victory. And the last half of this psalm talks about what happens after Jesus died. And if you will, uh, we'll just look at a, a couple of verses. Um, look at verse 12. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. What a, de a graphic description of the crucifixion and what Jesus experienced. But keep going. Look at verse 19. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. And after he dies, what is Jesus going to do? He's going to come forth from the tomb. And He will be ascended and go up to heaven and be seated at the Father's right hand. And from His throne in heaven, what is Jesus going to be doing? And here's one of the things. Look at verse 22. I will tell of your name to my brothers. Here's this picture of Jesus coming by His Spirit and walking in the midst of the congregation of God's people. And Jesus is revealing. He's whispering the Father's name. He's telling us more of the beauty of who God is as we gather together. I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. And so, how do we help the weak? Well, not only do we tell people ourselves, but we invite people. Come, come with me. I want you to hear about the beauty of Jesus. I want you to hear more of my great God. Jesus is the one who comes and meets with us. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. In the New Testament, we have this quote. And this is one of the most amazing verses to me in all the Bible. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. 
For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. If there would be anybody in the universe that would have the right to be ashamed of me, it would be the true and the living God who knows everything there is to know about me. But because He was willing to come and take on human flesh and become one of us and be tempted in all points as we are yet without sin, He is able to come to the aid of us. And Jesus is not ashamed to own us as brothers, as sisters. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that thrill your heart to think of Jesus the spotless, pure Lamb of God that He's not ashamed to own us as His brother, as His sister, saying, and then we have the quote that we read from Psalm 22, I will tell of your name to my brothers. And where does He do it? In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. One last passage uh, that we want to look at, and that's over in Romans chapter 14 and 15. Romans chapter 14 and 15. And here's a passage that talks about the weak and the strong. And the Lord tells us that those who are strong have a responsibility to care for those who are weak. And the weak are those who don't quite have the Scriptures put together properly. Uh, when I was growing up, I had a, a sweet, godly, a great aunt that would come and visit us. She uh, had never been blessed with children when she was younger, and her husband died uh, not long after she was married. And uh, this aunt... Uh, she uh, was just she was fun and she had come to visit us but you had to be careful because when she would put puzzles together jigsaw puzzles sometimes she would make sure that that piece was going to fit and she would even sometimes tear a little tab off a puzzle piece so that it would fit. Now that, that wasn't good. I mean, this aunt, she was just sweet as she could be, but jigsaw puzzles were not her thing. And when we would be finished, sometimes there would be little tabs uh, around, but, you know, she would force these pieces. Well, that's what Jesus describes here in Romans chapter 14 and 15. Here were people who saw pieces of the puzzle of God's Word and they had forced them together in a way that was not exactly the way it was supposed to be. And here, God calls upon those who are stronger Christians who do see how the pieces are supposed to fit together to come alongside and help those who are weak. Now, we're going to jump into the application, okay? 
And this starts all the way back in chapter 14, but I want you to look in chapter 15 in verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. And here we have a quote from Psalm 69 where the Lord Jesus now is the one who dies as the substitute. And even though Jesus had never done anything wrong, He steps forward and takes our guilt upon Himself so that we might go free. And He says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through the endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And these two groups specifically that he is talking about, in the church there at Rome, there were people who were from a Jewish background, and some of them still thought that things like the dietary laws still applied. They were weak in that they didn't understand how the pieces of the puzzle rightly were to be put together. Those who were strong, they understood as the Lord declared in Mark chapter 7. Thus He declared all foods clean. And we could go over to Acts chapter 10 and 11 where the sheep comes down. Peter uh, uh, is uh, uh, hungry. It's, it's lunchtime. He goes up on the top of the house and the Lord gives him this vision. And this huge sheep comes down from heaven. And the voice of God booms from heaven. Peter, take, kill, and eat. And on this sheep, were all kinds of unclean animals. Uh, there were shrimp, there were pigs, there was ostrich. All the unclean animals are on this sheet. And Peter looks at it, and when he hears the voice of God telling him, Peter, take, kill, and eat. You know what Peter says? Lord, I can't do that. Nothing unclean has ever touched my lips. I can't do it. And God said, Peter, what I have declared clean, don't you call unclean. This happened not only one time, but the second time. And a third time. And each time, Peter is just shocked and recalled by the thought of eating unclean food. 
And then the Spirit of God reveals to Peter what's going on. A Gentile comes and says, um, My master several days ago was praying and an angel appeared and said, I want you to go and find a fellow by the name of Simon who is staying with Simon the Tanner and he's got a message for you. And I'm here. And the Spirit of God told Peter, Yep, I want you to go and I want you to tell these Gentiles about Jesus. And so that's the weak that are in view in this passage. And the strong understood how these ceremonial laws had all been fulfilled and served their purpose in the Lord Jesus Christ. But again, uh, God calls upon us to be a people who have the heart of Christ to help those around us who may not be putting all the pieces together properly. Um, God says, help the weak. And so all of us depend upon Jesus. Left to ourselves, we're all weak, aren't we? We're all in need of Jesus coming and rescuing us and forgiving us and ordering our lives more and more to please Him and learning His ways and how to think biblically and have a Christian heart and a Christian mind to love God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, as God defines love, as God defines right and wrong, as God defines marriage, as God defines how sexuality is to be expressed in the bonds of marriage between a man, a male, a husband, and a wife, a, a female, a, a woman. That's what God says we are to be doing. We're to be growing. And we're to be helping those around us. Help the weak. we got a lot of work to do. May God grow me and you, first of all, to be strong. We need to know God's Word. And we need God's Holy Spirit to teach us of this great God and then we need to come alongside each other and help each other grow stronger and stronger in Jesus so that we can help others. Our own children and grandchildren, our neighbors, our friends, our extended family to grow in Jesus. To see Him. To embrace Him. And to grow up in Him. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Well, praise God. He is at work. Help the weak. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you for your word. We've just scratched the surface. There's just so much. Your word is so rich. But we're excited, Lord, about standing together and growing together to love you and to understand your word more clearly and accurately. Uh, in, in you, Lord Jesus, by your blessed Holy Spirit, uh, so that we could honor you in our own hearts, in our homes, uh, as husbands and wives, as parents and children, at home, at work, at play, at school, in civil government, in everything we do. We want to please you, Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, grow us. Uh, more and more to be stronger in you uh, and to be tender and gentle and patient with the apollosis and with one another. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. Well, if you would please turn with me in the Trinity Psalter. We'll sing together Psalm 133. Now before we sing, this psalm talks about the blessing of God's people loving God and loving each other. And God says that when His people dwell together in unity, of believing what God says and loving Jesus together, He says it's like two things. The first thing he said it's like, it's like the oil that God poured upon Aaron's head that ran down even on his beard, even on the edge of his garments. And when I was a little boy and we would read this psalm in church, I didn't have a clue what it was talking about. But I thought it was a pretty neat psalm because I could just picture some old geezer you know, by the name of Aaron with something like Cairo syrup just being poured all over him. And I just thought, hey, that's, that's funny. I like that. But what that is a picture of is when people would be anointed, it was either with oil or water, and it was a symbol of God pouring His Spirit upon that person to empower them to do the job that God was calling them to do. And God says that when we love each other in Jesus, it's like the oil that was poured on Aaron's head. God comes by His Spirit and uses us loving each other to stir each other up and to grow. The other thing it says it's like, it's like the dew of Hermon. And the only Hermon I knew of when I was growing up was Hermon Munster. And so, you know, I really was way out in left field on this one. This doesn't have anything to do with Hermon Munster. Here's the picture of this huge snow-covered peak that was snow-covered year-round. And the wind would come at God's command and pick up moisture and come and bring the moisture from Mount Hermon over into this desert land 
that was very, very, very dry, and this dew would descend from Hermon to bring life. You know, little plants can't survive without water. And that's how we are. We need nourishment. And one of the tools that God uses to refresh us and to stir us up and give us new life is as we, by the grace of God, in Jesus, love each other and care for each other and pray for each other as we help each other. So let's stand and we'll sing praise to God as we sing Psalm 133. Father, we ask that you would dismiss us now with your blessing. Oh, Lord Jesus, we rejoice that you are the fountain of living waters and you are the light of the world and you have rescued us from being children of darkness to be your children as you have given us a heart to repent of our sins and believe in you, Lord Jesus. And we do cling to you. Oh, Lord, it is our joy to follow you. And we beg that you would bless us to do so with more joy and consistency in our own homes and in our church family. Uh, that, Lord, you would bless us to be helping one another. Lord, we're all weak. Uh, we need you, Lord Jesus, to be our strength. And in you, Lord Jesus, to help those around us uh, who are struggling. Lord, give us your blessing now. And now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Through Jesus our Lord, we pray and ask for this blessing. Amen.